disaster that we're in. And so I know that question is going to come. It's just created a lot of issues. These roster changes, I'm not complaining about it because we take advantage, obviously, of free agency. But at the same time, I don't think that's really good for college football. These massive overhauls of rosters every year really is not in the best interest of college football. Paying the players for for play to come to their school is where we're at. So there's kind of your state of the union on the situation of what all coaches are dealing with around the country. And really a, a poor system that, that isn't getting better now is going to get worse with this because, again, now we just look at recruiting rankings and you're going to see that they usually are going to follow this you know, donor base and what schools are going to decide to give the most money to the players. So is what it is. We'll deal with it like we do with everything else, but somehow it's got to get fixed. All right, y'all. Earlier, we had some yucks. We played the funny moments of Lane Kiffin's presser yesterday. This is the big headline, though. College football is a disaster right now with uh, the combination of the portal and the NIL money and what what is, you know, was supposed to be for name, image and likeness. And he says correctly, it is pay for play. That's what we have. Legal pay for play. And he is right. And it is not perfect. And it does need regulation. I'm not arguing those things. But what I am curious to talk about, you know, us back and forth, but also the college football fans that are listening like when you hear Lane Kiffin say that, because I think a lot of people yesterday said, oh, yeah, he's he's right. He's right. But I think a lot of people killed the messenger, you know, and uh, I know Feinbaum went off on him, called him a hypocrite, basically, because he's saying he doesn't like these players being able to transfer and hop around. But he hopped after one year for the money to USC from Tennessee. Yeah, he last year. Played the whole Auburn thing in the middle of a of a of a month of November when Mississippi was playing horribly, and ended up just playing it so that he could get a big giant raise. So Feinbaum went after him, called him a hypocrite. Other people did as well. Where they also he- go into homes, recruit players, get to know families, promise the world to players, and then and then some, they're free to leave. If something comes along, they can go. See you later. They're, they're, they're not held to anything. For what? For Besides money. Besides a buyout, but yeah. For what? For money, right? For a financial opportunity or a career move. So I definitely see that point there in regards to him being hypocritical. But I do acknowledge it's obviously not ideal the way it's running right now. The thing that bugs me, the pay-for-play, obviously, and it is, is something that, man, if the NCAA had the stones and got in here and, and tried to set up some sort of rules, but they, they don't. They've sat this one out and let the states handle it. That's obviously a problem. The whole tampering thing bothers me as much as anything. The fact that we're, you're in the middle of the season and you know guys are getting messages on their phone from go-betweens or from players on a team saying, hey, yeah. coach would really like to have you. What's your situation? Like, I hate that. What do you think? Like, disaster? Is he full of it? Does he have a point? Little he, of he probably has a point based off of things happening and how chaotic it is, especially the, the quarterback player movement, too, gets insane when all the – that's an insane part of the sport now. It's almost like free agency, especially for the quarterbacks uh, when we get to December. But I'll say this. It may be viewed as a disaster. It may be the Wild West. But, Matt, when has college football never really – when has it not been a disaster in some ways? Behind the scenes, it's always been a mess. There's always been areas of the sport that were absolutely out of control. Yeah, it's that way now. But is it really – it's it's a different form of disaster, I would describe it as. 
But hasn't it always been, Mac, a little wild, a little crazy? Yet it's never really affected our viewing of the sport, has it? So until that happens, I don't think – I mean, yeah, it's but it's crazy, but it's always been crazy to me. His, his thing is the playing field is not level because the schools that have the most money in their NIL collectives, he says they will be the ones you'll see on the top of the recruiting uh, list here the next few years. My response to that, though, I don't deny that, but my response to that bone is – haven't we already had pay for play? Yes. And when has recruiting been fair and equal? Yes. Like recruiting is in college football have always been have and have not things, right? It's so always been the same teams at the top. And he talks about exactly. And he talks about boosters. You know, their money is going directly to players. It's not NIL. He's correct about that. He is correct that it's not being used by definition for name, image, and likeness. It is being used pay-for-play. Boosters, collectives just mean booster money. Um, but wasn't booster money, hasn't booster money been affecting the balance of power in the sport for years? They never said anything about it then. It's they out of the open now. They all Exactly. They all had that unwritten rule, right, that, hey, even if I know you're cheating, I'm not going to say it because you might catch me. You know what I mean? Like the only guy I ever remember calling everybody, but man, there could be more. But but the one I remember is Phil Fulmer going after Alabama. Yes. Oh my God, they still hate him to this day in Alabama. But it was it's a no no, right? Because it's almost like, hey, we're doing our stuff, you're doing your stuff. It's like but pitcher, now, it's like in baseball when a manager won't call out an opposing pitcher for too much uh too much um rosin or something on the neck. They they know their guys are doing stuff do it too. too. So it's kind so of like an unspoken... Unless it gets really noticeable where it's like, alright, hold on, we gotta call you out for this. It's kind of like an unspoken thing. And yeah. I think that's the way it was for years in college football. But now, Flound, I look at it and I just, I get what he's saying. There does need to be some better attempts to regulate. But it's like, come on, y'all. We know what was going on behind the scenes before. It, it don't act like this is new. What? What? what wow. How do you react to this whole thing, man? Well, you, I think it's. I think it's. A, it's. It's definitely worse than it used to be, right? Because now that it's out in the open, like clearly, when it was under the table, you would try to avoid having boosters send massive amounts of money because then it could get tipped off. So now that it's out in the open, you can send There's as much no money limit. as you yeah. want. There's no so limit. that that's probably the biggest concern. Look, I get what he's saying as as a as a team, you know, a guy that roots for a team that I hear it multiple times. I mean, pretty much every time he does a press conference, I hear our head coach say we don't have the NIL money to keep up. It's scary because yeah, is it going to get to a point where I'm going to have a team that I know is going to finish probably 4 and 8? five and seven every year because they just can't compete. That part scares me a little bit. But, I mean, for Lane Kiffin, like, dude, you're at Ole Miss. You're in the SEC. Like, dude, you've got money coming in. He is the – You gotta. I will say this. I listened to one of their beat writers talk to Feinbaum, and he was talking about how he thinks this has to do with Lane with their NIL collective, which in the SEC lags behind, you know, A&M and some of the bigger ones. Mm -hmm. But how's he getting these transfers? Because you talked about it earlier, Bone, that both the, both their starting quarterback uh, candidates are transfers. Corral was a transfer. Players. Corral was a transfer. They ranked 24-7 ranked uh, Miss, Ole Miss, second in, tra in the transfer class last year and fifth this year. He's seen, along with Mike Norvell, as one of the transfer kings. So, like, you're doing it. You're playing the, and he admitted it to his credit. He admitted, I know we're doing well with the transfers, but it's like, does he fear he can't keep that up? I just... 
I don't know. I, I, I get what he's saying, but I can't. Some of it I have to nitpick, man. One change I think needs to be made. That well, they made the change, and I, I don't, I don't get this one. And Flounder can weigh on this one too. One disastrous element now is the split signing days. The placement of that first signing day in December is right before bowl games. The playoff teams are preparing to go get ready for their playoff games or you're getting ready for your bowl games. That early December signing period is in such an awkward spot. I don't understand why that had to be done. And there's one in February still. I don't really but like that But that either. December one, it's right in the middle of the season still going yeah, on. I don't like How that How are either. coaches really preparing Fully, there's I don't that that's a weird one. I mean, I, well, well, your 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 recruiting classes are done already. You, uh, your recruiting classes are done before you even step on the field. Like, look but at the Tarios recruiting Flounder, class with NIL now and guys flipping and all that sort of stuff. You've got to pay attention to you don't you gotta you gotta check in on these guys and these guys change their minds now, Mac. Especially with NIL and various things, the commitments. How many flips do we see? I don't. Yeah. So what are you gonna I, do? Just keep it to the old way of I, just one like, signing day? I mean, I like the old. I way like better, the old but, way. I don't understand. But that's gonna give you how much time to then flip recruits. I'm gonna tell you, nobody is gonna want to sign up for that. They, these college coaches now, they so you want think these they dudes like in. They well, they want them in they as like early as possible because okay. if not, if you don't sign them in December, then you have a whole nother month and a few For days that you on. have was to it, sit I, there Was there a necessary change when it happened, though? I don't, was it necessary when they died? I, I just I don't. don't. I, that's, I, I guess the fine. coaches like it. I guess what Flown's saying. The one thing I that I don't get and again you know we're fans of the sport talking about it you guys feel free to chime in on that uh on that text line and let us know kiffin calls the sport a disaster because of nil and the portal and that combination you guys agree and he says put a salary cap in is that the answer 704-570-9610 i don't like i don't like the multiple portals throughout the year like, there's a portal that opens for football right when the season ends. But then in the spring, then it opens again. Like, it's open like it's Waffle House. Can we not just do it at the end of the season and that's it? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm player friendly, man. I want these guys getting paid. There has to be NIL. I think basically coaches just need to suck it up and deal with it. But do you, what do you think about that one, Flown? Like, why? Because that's a lot. Like, well, I know why they're do. Well, I know why they do it. They because do it kids because in the spring realize, oh, I ain't gonna play. So let me. Yep. Let but me hit still, the portal. Do we need that? Can we not keep that down to one man? We give you one chance, one period to transfer. Yeah, I think uh, so. Now, I will say this: I don't think you talk about the timing of stuff. I don't have a time uh, an issue with the timing of the signing day for the high schoolers. The opening of the transfer portal when it did. When does it open? Remember last year it opened. Was it like the day after the ACC championship yeah, game? Yeah, so that's going on during the bowl like, time too. Ca Carolina literally yeah. had guys that set out the ACC championship game because they already yeah. weren't the they bowl, weren't going to play. You know, a bunch of guys set out the bowls because they already that's made insane. up their mind. So yeah. wait until after bowl season. That's a good point. That's a good point. One other thing about the sitting out bowl games, I want to say real quick, Matt, because it ties into the sort of the theme of the week here. I wonder going forward because. You see it a little bit now already, like Christian McCaffrey. How many running backs are just going to completely skip bowl games going forward? Because they they want to get to they want to get ready for the NFL draft, and they know that every game you play in college is taken a little bit off of your NFL time. I wonder how many more and how. How many more running backs are going to start to sit out more and more and more bowl Heck, games? I want a running back sit out a full season. That's what. I'm, like yeah. if, you, if you're B. John Robinson, did you know? Did you have to play last year? 
Or do exactly. you put, or do you say, hey, that's one last year wear and tear NFL teams on me? I, I, I wanted well, to point that out while he brought it up. Uh, this texture says Mac just glossed over Lane Kiffin's idea of a salary cap. That's how you do it. Everybody has the same amount of money to spend on NIL. It's good in theory, but here's the thing, though. You don't think teams are going to cheat and go who's over regu- the cap? Yeah, who's, uh, regu- who's te- regulating? Yeah, the NCAA, they can't regulate a damn thing. Teams are going to cheat and go over the cap. The other thing I'll say, too, is I'm not about capping the wages for the players. You know what I mean? Then you do, yeah. you know, limiting numbers. I know you're trying to spread it around. That's the thing that sucks is Lane said it himself. Like he's he's thrown the cap idea, but he's admitted what he says. What's happening now is a disaster, and I'm saying this as someone that's been good with the portal, but I still don't think it's good for the game to have all these players moving around. But then he went on to say it's really hard to come up with a solution because he says you come up with one solution, there's going to be a few good things, but I can point out a few bad things about that solution. So, man, this is crazy. But what you said. What you said, though, is so right. It doesn't matter once we kick this sport off, man. Everybody's going to forget about all this crap, and we're going to freaking love Saturdays, man. I guarantee you. As long as they're playing Saturdays in the fall and they're wearing the jerseys that we know, even the players, Mag, it's about the jerseys, the fight songs, the pageantry, the history. As long as that's still prevalent. Fans are going to be there, and the ratings will continue to roll in, and money from the networks We're gonna will love continue it. to roll in. We're going to love it. So the coaches are throwing fits, but, man, as fans, I mean, we can understand their point, but, dude, does it make us any less excited about the season? Exactly. Hell no. By the way, Mac, thoughts and prayers to listener and texter Trophy Husband. He was on a run today on mile five, a bird unloaded. On our guy, oh Trophy Husband. Oh, my God. He said he got he got Hovland. Yeah. Just like Victor Hovland right, at the open right, right on him. So, uh, we're gonna, if you see that bird, let him know, Mac Dude, and Boner. Does that going? happen to a lot of people? Like, the car obviously it got me at the beach. It got me at the beach. Oh, yeah, you got it, too. Right now, you know what? I've never been bird that, bombed that, like that. That bird, which, by the way, I think eight Arby's, based off of the amount that bird had on me, it went right on my Yankees hat. And if you go and look, what's happened to the Yankees since that bird? Oh, that bird Doug dropped on me. That bird turned y'all to poo. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. We have greatly outsourced our work here on Wesson Walker to start this Friday off. But again, no apologies because it's no rules Friday. So basically everyone else is hosting the show and we're just your mouthpiece 704-570-9610 we asked you your favorite ACC legend basketball legend and the rules are that they can't have been a good player even a journeyman level player in the NBA I need like a rookie contract or something less than that you can't be anything above any of that in order to be an ACC random legend that we're looking for. But the first question we asked was, what was the first car you ever drove or bought? Whatever you want to roll with, that's fine. We have a lot of text to get through. 803 said, 2002 Ford Ranger, got it at 16, and drove it until I was 27. Ford Ranger's a classic. How long did you drive your first car? Was it a long time? Uh, 
it was about probably a year and a half or so, maybe. That's and then such I a did. Wes answer. Man, you keep playing yep. into the theme that you will move on from a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that car started to break down. Okay, and then so that, you needed to. Yes, and then that's when I had to, because it was something with the spark plugs, and then it was, I mean, that car was tripping, because I had a couple of issues like you. Yeah. Especially when I had went to Orlando when I was at Full Sail, so I'm down in Orlando having car issues, can't get home, different stuff like that. So then that's when I ended up going. My cousin took me to a Honda dealership and I ended up getting my first, uh, I guess, new car. You could say I'd gotten a Honda Civic. Um, speaking of car problems, when my shock uh, shock absorbers were going bad on my Mercedes, going over a speed bump. <laughs> oh, was embarrassing every single time. I don't think there's anything worse than when your car won't start. Oh, it's it's embarrassing it's terrible, too. Man. Because then you don't want help. And if you are any kind of person that has anxiety where it'll start and it's not turning over and it's not going, now everybody's looking at the car because everyone can hear it. <laughs> and you don't want to be the person that is driving a car that won't start. And you also don't want to be the person that asks for help from a complete stranger. It's just a complete mess. No, I've never it's gone terrible. through that. There's nothing. No, that's not from personal experience. And a mechanic hits you with a price that you're not ready for? Because there's five other problems you didn't know about, yeah. quote unquote. <laughs> Probably there's three more, yeah. and then they're going to add, add two more onto more. it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll change that tire. I just got to change last week. <laughs> oh, I'm just telling you, they did a bad job. 704-570-9610. 704-FLY for the wine guys said 1978 Dodge Challenger that was orange with brown plaid interior. You, that's a guy that wrote a text in missing and reminiscing on his car. That yeah, guy is a challenger, man. Old school challenger. Uh, Cacalac 1987 Carolina Blue Ford Bronco 2. Got it as a junior in high school. 2004. Did he drive it till 04? Yeah, man. That's a long time. Coach Pauly, 1990 Escort 5 Speed. We have our first NBA or ACC random legend. Hard stopper Harley said, how about Maryland great Steve Blake? I'm not sure how much NBA he played, but he was awesome at Maryland. He played a long time because he was a good role player with the Lakers. Probably a little too good for what I'm looking for, but not egregious. Really? Blake, yeah. He Well, he was yeah. in the NBA for a while. Yeah, but... Uh- <laughs> I mean, he was like a, it was a role player, a guy off the bench, great bald head, by the way. He could shoot, though. That was the thing about Steve Blake, boy. He was a shooter. And please tell me, you guys have seen that he was ready for the smoke in practice. It's not, I mean, he played with Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, Chris Wilcox. He played with guys that were ready to throw down. He played on. And Steve Blake, he played on the championship. Nine team. NBA teams, man, and he played for five, nine. He played for a long time. All right, so if, if Steve years. Blake doesn't qualify, so Jared Jack's out of the equation 100% here. 100% he's out. What about Way Trevor Booker? Trevor Booker's pretty good. That's what Moose wrote it wrote in. What Tanner about Juan Dixon? Juan Dixon, I, yeah. I he think, played six seasons, though. Is that too long? No. God, I six think seasons, for some re- This is a feeling-based question. And for some reason, Juan Dixon feels like a better answer than Steve Blake. Even if Juan Dixon was better at Maryland, Steve Blake had the longer NBA career, so I feel like Steve Blake yeah, is a played, worse answer. Juan Dixon played nine seasons, so he doesn't qualify. By the way, have you seen the Juan Dixon story? I have not. From within the last two years? We don't need to talk about it. Go look it up yourself, though. He's going bad? Wild. <laughs> More wild. I don't want to get okay. caught in a corner here. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to tell you is that it's wild. That is the statement. Period. Is he out here looking worse than Steve Francis? That's the question. 
God. I don't know if I know the Steve. What's up with these? You ain't seen Steve guys? Francis in a while? I have not. Woo! So, so Maryland guards, it's not going well for these guys. <laughs> yeah. Is that what we're saying? All right, yeah, we can man. move on. DJ wrote in 1996 Honda Accord, put some chrome taillights and upgraded the rims. When you pimped it out, you know it was a nice car, man. Yeah. Even though it probably wasn't, it was just a good car with some cool features that you liked as a high school guy, but that was about it. Yeah, it still, it hits a little different. Brian said, my first car was a 2000 Honda CRV. We called her all reliable. Everybody had a name for a car, too, at least at some point. Do you name all your cars? I don't, but I know a lot of people that have. I think I I, I feel like I named my first car something, but I forgot. Yeah, about I named it. pretty much all my cars. Fiddy, I know you named your car something. Uh, my first truck, because it was red, I just called him red. My, my Colorado, no. A lot of times. Nothing. I mean, I might cuss at it every now and again. Like the other day, when it when it cut off in the middle of the road, there was there was some some harsh words that I called it. So I don't get into the thing. What about Eric Green, former leading scorer for Great Virginia one. Tech, yep. first team All ACC type of guy? Yep, that absolutely fits. Sean Singletary, Zach from Kannapolis hit on mine. I was going to say my man. Big E, Eric Williams from Wake Forest. Eric oh, Williams was a nasty mate. dude down low, yes. man. He low. said ACC legends, West, not AAC legends. <laughs> there you go. I like Eric Williams. Hey, Fiddy, did you get mad when your car cut off because you ran out of gas? Because I know you have a no, knack for doing that. I, I had actually... I'd actually just put gas in it, and for some whatever reason, like I was going down the road, and it just... Just cut off. Yeah, that's tough. It's always tough when you don't know what it is. Then you start to really sweat. Like, what is this dealership going to tell me? Malcolm Delaney is a great answer on random ACC Ooh, legends. Yeah. A North Carolina one that I feel it's been a popular answer. Uh, Shaman Williams is one that people have written in. Like, He's definitely qualified. Well, in, in North Carolina, it's kind of hard because if you're a legend, you probably have a real stay in the NBA. So it's hard to find that fine line with North Carolina. Uh, Shaman Williams is a good one. Big Eric Williams. Jake Lehman is a little bit of a recent one. Oh, God. Dude. Why are we getting all these Maryland names popping up? This is why we need Maryland back in the ACC, damn yes, it. I agree with you 100%. Well, and then even it reminds me of a hated hated athlete by North Carolina fans in Grievous Vasquez. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's, he that's like the opposite. It's the same words, but the opposite feeling of your, oh, God, for sagebrush. Oh, God, same words, different for sagebrush compared to Grievous Vasquez. I absolutely, I, I may have told y'all this story or not. I got, I got grounded because I wished for him to tear his ACL. That's how much I hated watching him play. Oh, yeah, that's so bad. Yeah. He, dude, he ruined my Super Bowl Sunday. It was the year the Packers and the Steelers played. Carolina played like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And he recorded like a triple-double, and they beat us by 30. And I remember just yeah. losing it that I got to, I got grounded for wanting him to get hurt. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Who was the one that did it? Was it your dad? It was my dad. Him, and I wished the same thing. I remember it was when Cadillac Williams got hurt. I cheered the injury and got sent to my room. How much have you changed from that? Not much. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, now I just go after the coaches, as, as, as Wes heard firsthand in the fishbowl. Yeah, it changes life forever. It's still, it is, it's the comment that we don't speak of. If you've ever seen The Village, it's those we don't speak of. It's the comment we don't speak Tyrese of. Tyrese Rice. Tyrese Rice is another oh, guy. <laughs> I hated that dude so much. Fiddy's oh god has a range. 
he, it's either seductive or it's, I hope you tear your ACL. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's no in between. Oh, God, Tyrese Rice. Oh, God, Sagebrush. It's that range. It is that range for you. Uh, last couple here because we got to get to some kind of normal sports talk, I guess. I don't know. There's no rules, so who cares? Scott Wood is a good one. Um. There you go. You can't help Shane it. Shane Larkin. Shane Larkin. I love that. Oh, Kenny Kaji, that Miami team. They that were, was fantastic. They were so much fun. They were. They were very good. Scott Wood is like one of the few NC State players I did not hate. Like, I, I genuinely enjoyed watching that guy run around the three-point line and just shoot 40% from three. I've got one. Marcus Melvin is my most beloved okay. NC State uh, athlete of all time. Yeah. Ahead of his time. Big guy that could shoot from the perimeter. I, I also love Lorenzo Brown. because I, I, I thought, dude, I thought that state Ev team. Everybody thought he was going pro and was going to be awesome. Preseason, I think they were number six in the country. My my dumb butt thought they were going to the Final Four. They need, I, I think they missed the tournament that year. But they still had a couple of upsets with those squads. With C.J. Leslie, I believe they beat two-seated Georgetown, something like that. Got to the Sweet 16. So, Did he have yeah. to do forget Joe Barry. No, Joe Barry. I mean, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Second favorite Tar Heel yeah, of all time. Yeah. Like him, Marcus Page, because Marcus Page had a brief stint in the NBA with the Hornets and the Jazz. Barely. I think he, he honestly, his minute total might be like 20 total in an NBA regular season game. It might be that short. One of the one of the shorter, you know, it's funny here. You know, the guy that has played the least amount of NBA time, but saw NBA time. Another almost Tar Heel, Jamison Curry, came in mm. to defend an inbounds mm. pass or something like that. <laughs> and is the only player. It's, it's the guy that has achieved the least amount of NBA time while also achieving some amount of NBA time. All right, that'll do it. Let's move on. Let's talk. That's when I'll say Kyle Go. guy. I, I want to have this oh. conversation. <laughs> well, those Virginia teams. I, I mean, hated him so much. Ty, I liked Kyle Guy. Ty Jerome, by the way, might not count. I mean, Ty Jerome is he's like, rolling. he's hanging on. He's hanging on on Kyle these NBA Guy rosters. is too. But he kind of goes up and down yeah. with the two ways and all that type of stuff. Yeah, the thing about Kyle Guy, like in college, he's a star in the NBA. He's just, well, another guy. That was good. I got to give it up. That was pretty good. Don't you encourage him. He was a jag. <laughs> He's a jag. <laughs> that would have been so good. I wonder if anybody mentioned that while he was playing in Virginia. If they just had a sign, Kyle is a, a jag. That would have been fantastic. Just another guy. All right, let's talk Carolina Panthers. Let's switch it up because we're going to be talking a lot about them next week and beyond. Training camp, it's going to start. Practice starts Wednesday. Vets report Tuesday. Rookies are going to be reporting tomorrow. And yeah, because gambling is about to come about in the state of North Carolina, sports gambling, I'm going to give you some lines. We've been doing this for quite a while, but we're going to bring it back. A new article is on ESPN discussing the 2023 over-under on their win total, their odds to make the playoffs, their odds to win the Super Bowl, and then you could put a bet on Bryce Young regarding a couple categories. So let's talk about their win total. It's placed at 7.5, and, and if you look at a Joe Fortenbaugh of ESPN, his analysis is that he likes the under on 7.5. 
I know a lot of Panthers fans aren't going to like it, but this is what he says. His favorite is an under on the 7.5 OU for this uh, futures bet. It's not a big bet, but I'm on the under 7.5 wins here. This number is a bit inflated due to Carolina's soft competition within the NFC South, as well as the Panthers' above-average defense. But let's not forget that the Panthers still have a rookie QB who is undersized with a below-average supporting cast. Keep following in mind as well. Since 2000, rookie signal callers drafted within the top five who have started at least eight games saw their teams win just 39 percent of their contest that's not a good sign for betters on the over here's my thing they won seven games last year so if they win just 39 percent more of their contest that should bump them up to one more game and that would cover i like the over on the seven and a half i think they're that talented of a football team i do think that there's a lot of merit that should go into a weak division considering you have to play everybody two times i like the over on this what say you well i think this just continues the theme of mixed opinions but i'll tell you right now espn is not very high on the panthers a lot of the content that comes out about them is not very good as far as what they project them to be so with this one i'm gonna go over with you as well but i'm gonna be cautious on it because i think that, you know, we get rocked to sleep in the NFL all the time thinking that things are going to continue to be what they were the previous year. And if there's anything that we know about the NFL is that things change all the time. The Atlanta Falcons could come out and be the surprise team in the league and win 10, 11 games. Or the Saints could win 12 to 13 games. Who knows at this point? But as far as just what we know today and what we think we know, I think the Panthers and I think that highly of Bryce Young that they will get over this mark of seven and a half wins. But also I would say, and I'm not riding the fence, I'm going to be decisive and be on the over, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they were on the under as well if some of the things kind of come to fruition where the receiving core doesn't quite live up to the hype. The offensive line uh, has some issues. Miles Sanders isn't what we think he's going to be either. So there are some factors that could play into it going under. But for now, I'm going to go with the over. Well, and and perhaps I was uh, a little confusing on the stat that Joe Fortenbaugh had about quarterbacks drafted in the top five since 2000. Those guys that have started at least eight games saw their teams win just 39% of their contest. It doesn't mean they won 40% more games the next year. It means they flat out won 40% of the games that they started. For me, top five teams normally drafting their quarterback in that range are not what looks like the Carolina Panthers. Panthers usually it's a very different type of scenario when the Panthers trade up in order to get into the top five and just so happen to go all the way up to number one overall to me Wes this has more of the feel of a 2012 NFL draft when the Colts found themselves at number one when they didn't have Peyton Manning and they were starting guys like Curtis Painter and Andrew Luck is able to take them to the playoffs his rookie season and you know who else did that RG3 his rookie season because Washington they trade with the Rams to go up to number two it's not that they finished so poorly the season prior but they traded up to go get their guy the Rams they recouped a ton of assets but Washington got to the postseason very early to me it feels more of that scenario than the other teams that you might think of drafting in the top five it means you are a bottom five team in the NFL Carolina was a seven win team last year and I think they upgraded at QB and and they traded up to go into it. They didn't finish in the top five of the NFL draft. That's why I think it's very different from what Fortinbaugh is saying here. And see, I think the thing is, too, that this could all flip. 
because just the way ESPN is turned on up now, we know there's not a better hype machine out there than the mothership, as they like to call it. Because if the Panthers come out and they're playing well, and especially at the midpoint of the season, they look like a contender, then it's going to be all gas on the Panthers. They are going to go hard uh, giving them their credit because then what will come to light is what at least we've thought so far, that their offseason was great. They made shrewd pickups. That's how the narrative would change on this team if they do end up uh, getting over that mark and really being a competitor uh, in the NFC. We know that ESPN is then going to start saying they made shrewd moves and and Frank Reich, why did the Colts ever let him go and all that type of stuff. And then Bryce Young, the hype machine, is going to go into overdrive uh, on him as well. So I think that uh, this is just interesting because this definitely could change if Carolina comes out and ESPN will be one of their biggest champions. So, Last thing, too, if we have them winning over seven and a half, the odds are you know, pretty decent that they'd make the playoffs. The odds to make the playoffs right now are at plus 175. And according to ESPN, that will put them at tied for 21st. So still below average when it comes to their odds to get to the playoffs. That's a bet I also like to just take a chance on because of how weak the division is. But also, Wes, whether you want to bet on that or not, whatever you decide to do, that's your prerogative. What I would say is how great would that be if here you are drafting a rookie QB, trying to set yourself up for the future, but then also finding yourself in a situation where you get playoff experience right away. We've talked about this with the Charlotte Hornets, where we'd love them to get in the playoffs to set themselves up for the future. But we still have not done that with LaMelo Ball going into his fourth season. All he's had is a couple of blowout losses in the play-in tournament. So if you are going to the playoffs, to me, that's gravy, man. Like that's all, That's all to say, now you know what it's like to get ready for a playoff game play in a playoff atmosphere and really if you don't win it of course you're going to do everything you can to win it of course but if you don't then what you can do is you can apply that experience to the future and build off of it getting a leg up on some of these other rookie QBs that don't have that experience in their first season and that West to me is very valuable and it gives you a leg up also on these teams within the division that have not invested in their QB like the Carolina Panthers have where Atlanta is going with Desmond Ritter seeing how it works. New Orleans is holding on to vet QBs like Derek Carr. And Tampa Bay has Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Nah, man, Carolina's already got the leg up on them anyway, including a possible playoff appearance. I agree with you. And just looking at their spreads for the entire season, they're only favoring in four games. So uh, Carolina's scheduled from what we look like and we think is not that daunting. Uh, the odds makers think otherwise, but I agree with you 100%. Carolina's already hit up the curve. They've got that guy. I, I'm a firm believer that once you get the guy quarterback, it's all downhill from there. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. I don't think that I have been or anybody will see a camp with this much hype, build up and excitement smoke since probably 2018, right? Going into the year that they started six and two and Cam got hurt in Pittsburgh and it was all downhill from there. So I, th I think you got to go back to 2018 
to get even get close to this kind of buildup and hype. I think that's actually a fair way because that's literally just two weeks after David Tepper officially had his first press conference was when training camp started in 2018. There was a lot of hype. Carolina was coming off a playoff appearance, uh, losing that wild card game to New Orleans. Cam was, you know, coming off what was his first healthy offseason in a while and would turn out to be his last. And North Turner was now the OC here. So there was a lot of stuff to look forward to during that training camp. I I would say this is easily the most hyped that I think the fan base has been since 2016 training camp. Right. Because they were setting all types of record heading into that training camp when attendance because they were coming off the Super Bowl year. And I mean, just every the buzz was a plenty for this team. I think I heard Joe Person also say this is probably the most hyped he's seen training camp as well since 2011 because that was Cam's rookie year. You, it was kind of a, a quick turnaround because the lockout ended right when training camp was supposed to start. Yep. So you had everything going on all at once, and I think that's led to a lot of hype. But this one, it's like it's more of a breath of fresh air type of uh, training camp. It's like, ah, competence. Yeah, well, there's that, too. And so there was also going into 2018, because you're right, Joe brought up 2011, and that's that's probably the only real parallel. I'm just thinking the last time there was this much authentic, you know, majority excitement for what's about to happen, because 2018, that August, I guess it was eight months prior, they had hired North Turner to come in and run the offense. They parted ways with Mike Shula following the 2017 season, which was was a playoff season. Right, they lost to New Orleans on the road in the wild card round, but or was that the divisional round? Wild card. Yeah, that's right, wild card round. But um, you know, they parted ways with Mike Shula. They brought in Norv Turner. They they were going to change everything about the way that Cam was going to operate. Less, I remember the exact conversations we were having. Right, less Superman, more ball distribution, more Cam playing point guard. You know, still taking his shots and making big plays when they present themselves, but otherwise, you know, a bit more self preservation, getting the ball out quickly and letting playmakers make plays. And it, it wasn't perfect in those first eight games with Cam in 2018, um, but it was fun, right? And there was a lot of that going on. And I think in the first eight or nine games, his completion percentage was like, what, 72% through those first eight games? Don't know if it was that high, but it was like 67, 68. It was right at 70, I yeah. think, in the first half of the season. Um, and, and so th- there was that excitement, and things were looking like they were going to change. And Christian McCaffrey was here, and um, then, of course, everything fell apart. And even in 2019, they, you know, Cam gets hurt. What, in preseason? Yeah, the third game against the Patriots. Yep, third game against the Patriots. And then, uh, you know, we, we was it the week two? Was that week two? They, they, he was against Tampa in week two, right? That's when it was just, it was it. He all fell apart. Well, he had the mediocre game against the Rams. And then That's literally it. a couple days later was the Thursday night game against Tampa. You had the lightning delay, so that made things even worse. And it got, you could just tell Cam wasn't Cam. And it was when, uh, it was like the first time Christian McCaffrey got stuffed on fourth and one. They tried to run a cute play for Christian McCaffrey to get a first down, and it didn't work out. And we all thought by then it's over for Cam, which it technically was. We had a we had a we had a fake fake hope uh, range with uh, <laughs> Kyle Allen for about a month, <laughs> month and a half. Oh, it wasn't just that; it was that's a quarterback the future right there, son. Never forget Damian Woody said defense is fear <laughs> Kyle Allen more than Cam Newton. <laughs> Oh, I do not miss those days. And then, and then reality came in and bit us in the ass for the, the last two months. What's the Is that the most hilarious false start in Panthers history? The Kyle Allen thing? I mean, there are others. Don't get me wrong. Like, where does that one rank? That has to be near the top. It has to be near the top, right? Uh, because, again, I, I haven't been on the airwaves for all of it, but it was uh, – I'll never forget that stretch. That – what was it? Six, eight – hell, by the end of the season, people were still, I think, trying to talk themselves into that. 
you know, that, that Kyle Allen with the right coaching and the starting lineup, and this, this, he could be the guy. And it wasn't just Damian Woody. There were a few others, too. Yeah, Dan that, Orlovsky, I think, was one of them, too. Yeah, they just went all in on – look at Kyle Allen with the offense and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, hold on. Ryan Fitzpatrick's made a whole career out of doing this. Can y'all just settle the hell down? And then sure enough, by the end of the season, you know, we, we knew what that was about. Yeah, they, they literally started Will Greer, and Will Greer was so bad that they went back to Kyle Allen. Woo! <laughs> Oh, do not miss those days. Fun, fun times. Uh, Jack says Kelvin Benjamin was the biggest false start in Panthers Ooh, history. That rookie year. I, I was going to say, given the first year that he had. Um, you weren't here the day he tore his ACL. No, I wasn't. Oh, right. my God. It was DEFCON 1. Season's over. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, what do we got? Ted Ginn? We literally had people that were calling. Well, I wasn't. I was listening at the time, but I remember people were calling like, Man, we need to give Randy Moss a call. He lives here now. Let's get Randy Moss onto the field. Reggie Wayne, Reggie Wayne, he's a free agent. Come on, Reggie Wayne, come on down. Let's go. Oh, man, that's funny, dude. Uh, Wolfpack James says, I got another one for you. Matt Moore uh, as uh, one of the great false starts. Uh, uh, oh, man, that's fantastic. I fell for that one. That's fantastic. Uh, let's see. PJ Walker says, uh, PJ Walker was a false start. <laughs> he's a backup. I think that, here's the thing. I won't argue with that one, really, because I think there probably was an element of the false start to it. However, I think by that point, the fan base, and let's be honest, the media covering this team was just so depressed and over the Matt Rule era that, like, I don't think anybody, like, it was a nice story, but I don't think anybody ever got their hopes up that PJ was the future. That hell, Mary Frodo. That was special. I watched that again this morning, by the way. I saw it again. I think oh, the guys watching quarterback. No, no. Although I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, but I was what the Panthers Nation Instagram account. Right. I was uh, I was op- I opened up Instagram doing the thing that you do first thing in the morning. I'm not going to you know clarify, but like I was watching. And I was like, oh, man, let's watch this again. And it's awesome. Every single time P- PJ re- to DJ Moore to what to what should have won the game. Yeah, did you realize what happened afterwards? So sad. Uh, here's an old one. Kerry Colbert as a false start. Kerry Colbert's rookie year was pretty good. He had to play a lot Ooh. because Steve got hurt and he showed a lot of signs. And then, you know, Moose left and figured, OK, at least Kerry Colbert can pick it up now. Oh, okay. Okay. More of these coming in right now. Somebody wants to know if we'd consider Armani Edwards a false start. No, no. You, you at least have to start. Right, right, right. I don't, I don't think he ever reached the stature as such to be considered the kind of false start we're talking now, about. Uh, I guess if the false start was Marty Herney training up for a third rounder for him. Ooh, here's a good one. Non-quarterback Vernon Butler. I mean, we just waited and waited and waited for that hog Molly to figure it out. And he had signs. Oh, the physical tools were all there. Yeah. Like I do not blame the Hog Father for drafting that guy one bit. I don't. I'm not. I was never mad at because I'd have picked him too. Like you know, getting understanding, you know what he preferred, and and again the physical tools. I don't blame him. Never did for drafting Vernon Butler. I'd have been tempted to as well with that kind of size and power and you know explosiveness, but he just never ever put it together and never put it together consistently. Even when he flashed in Buffalo there for a minute, we were like, okay, wait for it, wait for it. And he just never became a star. Never forget how his career ended in Carolina. He got thrown out against the Colts and flipped off the people in Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> quite a way to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Calvin Benjamin's coming quite a bit. Sean Gilbert has two. Uh, Philly Brown. Darren's dropping in Philly Brown. Yeah. I don't know, though. I, I think a lot of it has to do with either your... What do you think? Philly Brown? Does he meet the criteria? No. I don't think so. He was just solid. I sh- yeah. He was just solid. Brandon LaFell. There was yeah. oh, uh, that's a good one. That's yeah. a that's a really good one. That's a good I, I saw someone mention this one and it's the one of the all time favorites we mentioned during this time of the year. I think it was uh Wolfpack Dave. 
David Geddes. Oh, yeah. Was it Hokie Highlanders that I tried to talk myself into David Geddes and Matt Moore? Yep. Oh, man, David Geddes. I, I, I feel like I need the urge to tweet Jonathan Jones. Hey, Jonathan, how's David Geddes looking in Spartanburg right now? Man, Hornets Ron is pushing back, though, a little bit on the Kyle Allen part. Now, I got to disagree with my guy, Hornets Ron. I love him, but he says uh, the Kyle Allen Grady, he said they weren't wrong. Cam was done. They were wrong because it was all focused on Kyle Allen. Um, as far as the cam was done, stuff, I think those are two separate statements, but we're talking about the false start that was Kyle Allen. And the funny thing about Kyle Allen was Kyle Allen, for those that forgot, was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Top recruit. He was the yeah. most sought-after pocket qu- quarterback in the country. Ends up at Texas A&M. That was the Sumlin years, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was it was, the, it was uh, Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray. That's right. And Kyler Murray wins the job. Kyle Allen transfers to Houston. Um, who was the Houston head coach? Major Applewhite. Major Applewhite. Yes, that's it. So, God, Houston's had some great coaches come through that program. <laughs> well, Major they? wasn't that good. Well, no, he wasn't. But, I mean, he's one of the all-time great names in college football history. But, yeah, I mean, Kyle Allen had a couple of big-time performances, and then everybody ran away with it. And the next thing you know, it was like, oh, he's kind of another dude. They just figured him out. It took a few games. Uh, Jeff Otah's coming in. Eh. Did he ever play well yeah, enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because that rookie year. That, he was, okay, that's fair. That rookie year, he was strong. And then, you know, weight and injuries became a massive factor for him after that. I got Cameron Artis Payne coming in hot and heavy on the text line right now. You know, the, the <laughs> obvious <laughs> knee-jerk joke is, you know, they, they got to take another look at him, right? But that is also kind of the joke that, like, they just kept taking looks at him and never really saw anything. You get your hopes up in the preseason, and then you'd never really see him again in the regular season until they gave him a carry or two that he'd break off for 12 yards. And the next Monday, why are we using Cat more? And you wouldn't see him at all for the next four games. That's how that worked. <laughs> and then we're at the end of his contract, and we're like, oh, he's 29 already? What? <laughs> He came out pretty old. Yeah, Brown Mamba said, I like the Matt Khalil inclusion here. I don't know if he ever played quite well enough, but man, oh. when he came in as a free agent, like, what, they spent 55 mil on Matt Khalil? Way too much. I think they, I think that contract that they gave Matt Khalil was $55 million. That, that was actually the first offseason in a long time that Carolina spent a lot on free agency because, you know, the, the Marty years, the end of Marty, they, they spent a lot of money and, and it really hurt them capitalize and, you uh, Darren Gant, or not Darren Gant, but they've got to be like, oh, you know, we're shopping at Family Dollar one year and then the next year, oh, you know, we're, we're shopping a little better at TJ Maxx. And then that year was like, oh, here we go. Spending a lot of money. Most of those contracts didn't work out. The only one I think that really worked out was uh, Julius Peppers. Uh, Randall wants to know, do we, do we consider Deshaun Foster? Like a few people, actually. 980 number said, would Deshaun Foster count as a false start back to back? Him and Tim. Bianca Patuka. Uh, who's also coming in a lot yeah. on the text line. That, injuries suck, man. That's Especially thing. Tim in 1999. You go back and look at some of those stats in 1999, it's like, oh my God, he finally figured it out. Then got hurt. 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 Deshaun, literally his first year, was out the whole entire year. Had flashes. That Oh, you go back to that 2005, the home stretch of 2005, Deshaun Foster was one of the best running backs in football during that span. And you can argue with anyone. I'll 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 die on that grave. And if he doesn't get hurt, we don't know what happens. But then he got kind of got banged up running attack, took a step back in 06, 07, and he was just never really the same. So yeah, I can get that one. Yeah, that's those are two good ones right there. All right, seven oh four five seven oh ninety six ten. Uh hit us up with yours and, and let us know. The the greatest false start. Somebody just hit me with a Brian St. Pierre. No. No, I don't think that he doesn't count. What do you get? One game? 
Two. One game off the street. <laughs> you tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.